Hello, and welcome to Are You Going to Eat Your Fat? This podcast is a resource dedicated to those struggling with eating disorders. If you are struggling with an eating disorder or know someone who is, maybe a brother, sister, daughter, wife, we want to be here to provide resources and offer hope. I am Dina Lewis, and I'm here with my husband, co-host, Brian Lewis. We are not doctors, but we do come with more than 20 years' history in dealing with eating disorders. Whether you found us on purpose or by mistake, whatever the case, we hope by the end of this episode you have learned something, or at least, if you are struggling, you do not feel alone. Hello, and welcome to Are You Going to Eat Your Fat? This is a podcast dedicated to eating disorders, surviving eating disorders, and how to cope with eating disorders. My wife and I have been coping with eating disorders over a number of years, and we're in recovery, and started this podcast as a resource for those who, when we were going through it, there was no resource, there was no podcast, there was no way to really reach out for help. And then in in that absence, we thought, well, one of the steps of the 12-step program is to get a service, and this is the service that we should give. So having said that, podcasting isn't free. We will continue to do the podcast as long as we can. But if you feel like you can help and you want to reach out and make a donation, we do have a Patreon. Are you going to eat that fat? At Patreon, our email address is eatthatfat at gmail.com. And today, since I'm flying solo, that would detail for you what a typical day, I guess, when my wife was really sick of her disease and kind of go through what it was like for me. So, you know, I think we've talked about before in previous podcasts, but I'll recap for some of you who maybe this is your first podcast. If it's not, you've been listening to this podcast all along. Thank you. And please don't be bored by the recap because I feel like I need to do that. So the beginnings of my wife's disease, we've known each other since I was 16 and she was 15. And We started dating in high school. We dated for 10 years before we got married. It was really about the time that we were going to get married that the disease really became prominent. It was really something that everybody kind of noticed and was shocked by and wanted to know, what's the plan? What are we doing? And at that time, you know, it was pretty easy to recognized that we needed help and what help there was we did find a treatment facility and i have said this before but when you find a treatment facility you kind of feel like okay well this is a place we can get help this will be addressed we will be on the road to whatever wellness looks like and you put a lot of hope and faith in the medical community that they're going to do something to address the problem And in addition, you know, as a loved one, someone who's dealing with eating disorder, I would expect there to be some support for the family, some opportunities to learn what's going on. And this first treatment facility really didn't do any of that. And I took advantage of every program, every group meeting that I was invited to, I attended. Because at the time, I recognized that I was contributing to the disease and I didn't want to do that anymore. In addition to that, I wanted to figure out how can I best support my wife as she's struggling 
because I see you're struggling, but I don't know what to do. So give me the tools of how to help. And that was what I was expecting. Now, that first treatment facility failed on so many levels that it's kind of embarrassing to really talk about. But the short version of the story is my wife, as she left that treatment facility, she was not supposed to leave until she was at least 100 pounds. And she never broke 100 pounds. She was at 99 pounds when they discharged her. They were like, oh, good enough, out. And the out was with no real support, no real guidance, no real anything. So it wasn't long before, even at 100 pounds, you're like, okay, well, but if she's got the tools, she's going to progress and she'll be at an even healthier weight. Because even at 100 pounds, it's not a healthy weight for her. So the hope and the intent was, you know, she'll keep going and she'll become even better in her program and hit those milestones that she needs to hit. The reality is that never really happened. And then really in a matter of months, you could see we were slipping back into that same place that we were to begin with. And that was really difficult to deal with. Because on one hand, you have to acknowledge that we're right back where we started from. So all the money and the resources and the time that you took to get your loved one some help is just flushed down the toilet. And that's a really hard thing to admit to yourself. We're back where we started from because all these resources were for nothing. In addition, it's hard to continue to support your loved one and say, what's the plan? We can't keep going the way we're going because we're back at the same place. And that's difficult because nobody wants to admit it. Eating disorders is a disease that propagates with silence. So the more you don't say anything, the worse it gets. And nobody wants to come up and say to somebody, wow, you really look thin and sick. Nobody ever does that. It's just something in a society we don't acknowledge. We pull people aside and go, are, are you okay? Which is a great thing to check in with somebody. But even that somebody that's struggling isn't going to say, yeah, I'm struggling with an eating disorder. If they're in their disease, they really don't have the skills to be honest enough to say what's happening. So you kind of combine that with a loved one who doesn't want to acknowledge that it's happening again. And the person suffering from the eating disorder, not really saying that there's a problem, which is just the biggest recipe for disaster that you can ask for. And in addition, I worked for my wife's family and I was going to college to get my degree in teacher's education. So I was doing all the coursework. I was working full time and I was living with somebody who was struggling with an eating disorder. And every day that I would go to work, I would get, you know, how's my sister doing? How is she? How's Dina? And really, I couldn't tell them much because I really didn't know what was going on inside her head. I knew at the time she had found a therapist and she was trying, but really what that meant, I had no idea. That's kind of what I want to tell people that have a loved one that's struggling with this disease is that, you know, and I've said it before and I'm going to say it again here is you have really no idea how bad it is. And as bad as you think it is, it's even worse. Because I would see her eating and I would dismiss it. You know, well, see, she's eating, she's fine. And she's seeing her therapist and she's doing these things. 
that she needs to do to take care of herself. The reality was every day, you know, and I would see, I would have glimpses of, geez, she looks so terrible. Because it's kind of one of those things that when you see somebody every day, you don't see the progression of the weight loss because you see a little bit worse every day. And as I look back on pictures now from that time, I'm just stunned. Like I couldn't see it anymore. And how could I not see it? Here's a picture and it's apparent to everybody. So that added stress of what are we going to do? What can we do? There was no intervention really that we even thought of because we really didn't even recognize this as an addiction. We didn't recognize it even for what it was. And I can tell you for anybody who's going through it, this is an addiction. And it's even more challenging because an addict has to refrain from their drug of choice. But when you're having an issue with food, that drug of choice is the thing that gives us life. And so how do you manage that? How do you make food different in your life? How do you see food as not the enemy, but as something that's helping you? And those are some of the challenges that the addict has to deal with. But, you know, in the upside down world of I'm dealing with somebody, my loved one's got an eating disorder. The upside down world is I don't know what to do and I don't know how to help. And what I tried to do is I really had a passion for, I need to figure this out. I need to figure out what's going on and how I can be supportive. So if there was a book out, I read it. And we've alluded to Sherry Boone's book, Starving for Attention. It's not an ad. We don't get any money. Don't get excited. Because as much as Dina really loves that book, I really was frustrated by that book because it didn't give you any clues as to what was going on, how to be supportive, and really what steps you took to get well. What I didn't find in the book, it might be in there, but I didn't see it. So those things for me were super, super frustrating. It was every day, like, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid my wife's going to die. And it's just this overwhelming hopelessness. Because it's a disease that nobody wants to talk about, there's no way to reach out to somebody to get help and who can help you know i don't want to just go to somebody and unload my problems uh, this is what's going on without having some degree of well here's what we did to get through it or i mean that just didn't exist so when dina came and said hey i found this treatment facility it's four hours away and i'm gonna go today so i'm packing up my bag and I need you to drive me to this place. So it was, okay, well, I hadn't done any research on this place. I didn't know what it was, but if she was even reaching out to get some additional help, I was gonna do it. I don't care what it was. So I remember that day driving the four hours down to the treatment facility, and then we get into the treatment facility. They welcome her and they were very kind. And I remember it was nighttime, when we got there and it's like a residential house and you're like, okay, well, I don't know what this place is. It's certainly not a hospital, but you go in and there were lots of people in there and they had an intake person and they were like, okay, one of the things we have to do is we have to go through your bag. And so I'm kind of like, I have to go through, I'm going to find anything in my wife's bag. And of course they go through my wife's bag and they find candy. And I'm like, 
what are you doing bringing candy into a place that you know where you were going? And it was almost kind of like an alcoholic stashing a bottle of alcohol in a shoe when they check into rehab. That was exactly what it was. I just kind of remember looking at my wife going, what are you doing? I don't understand. But that was kind of the mantra. I don't understand or really don't. So one of the things that was the prerequisite for care, she's got to be in there. 30 days, you don't have any contact at all. It's kind of like, she's my wife. What do you mean I can't have contact in 30 days? That's ridiculous. But, you know, if that's the rule, I'll abide by the rule. And then if you want to, you can come down every Saturday. You can have meals with the patients and then stay the night at a hotel, not at the facility. You know, stay the night in a hotel and then coming, you can have breakfast and lunch with the patients again for the next day. And then you're going to have to leave because then we have group and your time with your loved one is over. So I took advantage of every opportunity to do that. They did have like a group family thing that was very useful in terms of getting to the root of the issues for Dina to really try and vocalize what it is that she was struggling with and get some insight to, I remember having this talk with one of the doctors, sort of an incidental talk. I think I was waiting for Dina and I was in the office and there were two doctors and one of the doctors was talking to me and she said, what Dina's problem is, and she went into this description and I'm like, holy crap, I totally understand now what's going on. And she just said it like kind of matter of fact, like Here, here's the deal. It's this, 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 and this. And I was like, holy mackerel. Damn, it's quite the level of insight. Even that little initial talk with the doctor really helped open my eyes to go, oh, okay, this is it. And they would throw little, little things at you. By the way, she has to be here at least nine months and at a cost of several thousand dollars a month. And by the way, that's payable at the first of the month, otherwise we throw her out. I'm like, I don't. So although the treatment facility, I had a good impression that they really understood what was going on. They could offer some real help. Well, some of the things they did was they had the patients make their own meals. Well, not make their own meals, but make the meal for the entire, you know, somebody was in charge of the protein. Somebody was in charge of the veg. Everybody had like a little task to do. And then the meal would be served. And then they had rules about how the meal gets served. And you can't speak for a minute after the meal gets served. Then when you do speak, you can't have any food talk. And I'm like, this is great. This is fantastic. This is somebody that really understands. So on one hand, when I got into the treatment facility, I'm like, I remember driving back and just crying my eyes out because the monster was gone. I didn't have to deal with that. I gave it up to somebody else and I didn't have the pressure. But then coupled with the financial pressure, how am I going to make sure that she gets the treatment that she wants and that she just so desperately needs? So that kind of happened by the grace of God. And she continues to be a success story and she continues to struggle with her disease. And it's a lot easier when your loved one has the tools to succeed and really understands what their disease is and how it kind of works. I have tools where I know how to be supportive. I know how to 
listen to what's going on. I know how to see the things that are going on and call it out and go, hey, wait a minute, what are we doing? What is this? I'm not afraid because that's kind of manipulation of when you bring something up, I get upset. And so you don't, it's the same dynamic that an addict has. An addict, the worst word an addict can hear is the word no, because the world revolves around them. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying in an addict's mind, that's what they want. That's their perception. They don't see anybody else. And part of a 12-step program really is trying to break that down and say, you know, one of the things that once you get yourself to a homeostasis, to a current state, you can do service now for someone else. And that service gets you out of you. You're doing it for somebody else. You're not doing it for you because you are no longer the center of the world. So I hope my comments have been useful for you. If you're struggling with somebody with an eating disorder, don't give up. There are places out there. There are resources out there. If you feel the need, you can reach out to us at eatthatfat at gmail.com and give us a question, give us an issue. Let us be a support for you. If you are struggling, the best thing you can do is go to an OA meeting, stand up and say, I need a sponsor. Get a sponsor and make that first step. It's so important to do just as a first step. You don't need specialists. You don't need doctors. You can go anonymously to one of the meetings. Very easy to find a meeting. There are meetings everywhere. And if you just stand up and say, I have a problem and I need a sponsor, will somebody sponsor me? And take that sponsor, take that first step. So that's it for me. I'm going to wrap it up with the way we always wrap up our podcast. And that's with the serenity prayer. God, Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back. It works when you work it. So work it. You're worth it. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us. If you found this podcast useful, or we have given you hope, and you want to reach out and contribute, feel free to do so at eatthatfat at gmail.com. That's eatthatfat at gmail.com. Our pledge to you is that every penny that we get in contributions goes to production costs and keeping the lights on. We will not pay ourselves, but anything above and beyond production costs will go to benefit organizations that specialize in eating disorders. Please reach out to us if you need resources or you just need to talk. You are not alone and there are people who care. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. So work it. You are worth it.